0: Hey friends, I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Erin Cusio, and this is Room for Lovely. It is finally feeling like spring. The pollen count is high, and I am itching to plant some flowers. Truth be told, I am a terrible gardener, but I do like to try. Every single year, usually with minimal luck, but I keep trying. Even still, I think that there are many lessons to be learned in growing things, or at least trying to. Today, I've got my precious sister-in-law, Kathleen Cart, with us. A few years ago, she began Parish Flower Co., a small cut flower farm with beautiful blooms and incredible wisdom. We're going to talk about flowers, but we're also going to talk about life, and I think you'll be inspired to see all the many parallels that can be found for making room for lovely right in the middle of the garden. Welcome, Kathleen. Thank you so much for being here with me. I am thrilled to be able to talk to you about something that I know is so very dear to your heart, but you are my sister-in-law, so I have the incredible privilege to know you and know you well. But for those people who don't know you, would you do us a favor and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and what you do?
1: So I, I grew up in Evangeline, Louisiana, we had 40 acres. We had a pig farm. So I spent a lot of time outside just running wild and free. I went to high school in a small town called Iota, and I met my high school sweetheart there, Ryan, who is also your brother. And we just celebrated our 10-year anniversary this year, or last November, and just had the best time hiking at Zion National Park. We have two kids, our daughter, Eden, who's five, and Maverick, who is three. Honestly, couldn't imagine life without them. They, they make us tired, but we, we love them. We have two fur babies, so we have a Husky and an Australian Shepherd, um, and we also work full-time. We have full-time jobs, and we we spend a lot of time serving in our Savior's Church um, where we are and just leading life groups, and I lead worship. And so we
0: we have a lot of things going on in our household. Definitely a full plate. So something that kind of, I think, grew out of at least a little bit, maybe you growing up in the country and just being out and enjoying the outdoors has sort of led into your adult life. And I have loved watching you guys, of course, I'm biased, but watching you guys grow up and... Make a family of your own and kind of develop all the things that are important to you and to your little unit as a family. And one of those things is being outside and enjoying nature and adventuring and all of that. Um, But a couple of years ago, you got into something just a little bit different. Tell us about that.
1: Around 2018, I was reading Magnolia's Magazine and kind of stumbled upon this article about. A well-known flower farm called Florette. And I was just instantly drawn to the pages, you know, slipping flipping through and it was almost like, I just couldn't read it fast enough. You know, it's like just opened to a whole new world that I never knew existed and just instantly fell in love with the idea of a flower farm. And that was completely new to me. So I just kind of started small and I grabbed a packet of seeds and the next year, we had our sun maverick. After I was filling up to it, we started a little garden with a few raised beds and I planted my first flowers, which were zinnias and lemon basil. And so those are really easy uh, to grow and it kind of boosted my confidence and kept me curious um, and just wanting to try something else, you know, try to expand a little bit. So the next year in 2020, I took a six week Flower farming course with Lisa Ziegler, who is a pioneer in the flower farming industry. Learned a ton of things with her. Just, I watched the videos probably like 20 times, just consuming all of the information just to to take it in. I ended up studying for um, a florist license and got that because it's a requirement for our state and started the farm, which is Parish flower company. And that was a big milestone for me um, just jumping in so quickly. So 2021, I just kind of spent the year growing more things like 30 or 40 varieties just to try to figure out what people were drawn to, what grows well in our zone, things that weren't so high maintenance for me. Here we are in 2022, I'm um, launched and I have opened up bouquet subscriptions for the season. So it's just kind of exciting
0: to see that evolve you know, over the last four years. What is the difference or is there a difference between simple gardening and a cut flower farm like cut flower farm sounds so much fancier but is there a difference so
1: i would just say the biggest difference is quantity you know when you have a garden you usually sow just a little bit of this and that it's kind of like a hodgepodge whereas when you're you know flower farming there's rows and there's irrigation and just kind of like this assembly line of things and a lot more of each variety. So you would want to grow at least 15 feet of something for it to be worth picking. You know, otherwise it kind of just gets lost in your bouquets
0: and things like that. So you read the book and you devoured the book and thought, oh my goodness, this seems so intriguing to me. I could say the same. I follow flower farms and I have the same book that you're referring to. And I could just look at the pages all day long, but I am the worst gardener on the face of the planet. I cannot keep anything alive. Once you got started and you realized, hey, I'm good at this. This is working for me. What was something that was surprising to you about the whole idea of a cut flower farm? I would say,
1: you know, just the fact that people would want to buy this, you know, I grew this, you almost feel in the beginning, like, is this, does somebody want my garden flowers, you know, but there's just so many unique varieties and people are just in awe of just the way they look and smell and the colors. And, you know, that was kind of surprising to me that like what I was doing and what I loved was what people wanted. And we don't see a lot of that around here and it's new, you know, people don't really know what to do with it, but they like the idea of it. So that's just something I'm kind of like exploring
0: and kind of teaching customers how to buy, you know,
1: local fresh flowers.
0: Yeah. I think it's an idea that is probably more geared typically toward like an urban market. And we come from a very rural area, like it's just gaining traction, but they are definitely drawn to the beauty of what you're growing. How much space are you utilizing at your house right now? Because this is just a big garden in your backyard. You guys live in the middle of the city. Tell me about what it looks like in your backyard.
1: In the yard, we probably have eight or nine rows that are 25 feet long, three feet wide. You know, like I said, I started with four raised beds and then that turned into another huge raised bed behind those. And the next thing I know, I'm adding rows here and there and like figuring out where I can add more. <laughs> and so, you know, having to convince Ryan that, Hey, I'm taking up more yard space. Um, so there's a lot going on and I really use that space to trial, you know, just different things that I want to, you know, eventually expand later on, just got new property in, um, the country. I have about 2,800 square feet out there. Um, so that's like, 20 rows. You know, I can't do all of that at one time yet, but just kind of leading up to it because you have to amend all of that. You have to irrigate all that. And it's just, it's a lot of money, you know, at first. So I kind of trial at home and there's a lot of cool little patches here and there. And then out there, you'll see larger rows of the same thing. Um, it looks different
0: both places. So I think the common person would know the word irrigation. That's a pretty simple word, but tell me about amending. So amending minting bare
1: soil, there's not a whole lot of nutrients when you just till up the soil. Honestly, there are a lot of flower farmers who are like anti-tilling and I'm just not quite there yet because I need... A little help getting the garden to loosen up but when you amend you add compost and fertilizer and just try to get you know the soil healthy because that if that's not right then your season is not going to be good you're going to have disease pests there's going to be you know it's just not productive if you don't take care of the soil which is super important
0: What do you think is the biggest misconception for those people who just see what you do on Instagram and, oh my goodness, your flowers are so beautiful. What do you think is a misconception that people have about flower farming?
1: So I think people often think that it's a whimsical experience where you're just out there with your hat and your maxi dress, picking flowers and all these colorful rows. And it's really the opposite. Oftentimes I'm super dirty, I'm sweaty. Um, there are mosquitoes everywhere. It's hot. And there's really not a lot of color because I'm picking everything before it really opens up. It's just, it's, it's really not as pretty as it looks. You know, when you look at Instagram, you just have this vision that it's something way better than
0: it actually is. Not as glamorous as it seems, I guess. So where would you like to head next with the business? Where would you like to grow it eventually?
1: Um, Right now, I'm kind of just keeping it small, which really allows for me to continue doing what I love, but also not sacrificing time from family um, and from work. The dream, obviously, is to grow one day much larger. I would love to have a one or two acre farm where, you know, there's just stuff everywhere. I'm growing all the things and having all the room to grow all the things. You know, I don't know where it's going to lead. But I think that or I've learned that if you just take the steps, that it kind of just Unfolds as you're going along. You don't have to have the plan laid out. I really believe that, you know, God leads us where we go next and we just take the step and the rest kind of happens.
0: I think that's a really good transition to kind of move from all the things about the logistics of the garden to all of the parallels that really we can lean to life in the garden. Um, just talking about amending the soil and you know your soil's got to be healthy before you plant the seeds in the ground and taking next steps. I mean those are all incredible lessons that I think we can apply to everyday life. Are there any other lessons that you can take from the garden and apply to life? I think one uh, lesson that I've learned is just how
1: important it is to take care of yourself. Obviously, that looks different for each person. For me, a lot of that does come from the garden. You know, I love just the quiet walks through the roads. You know, to just gather my thoughts, or you know, seeing the progress of the garden from start to finish. That's just really gratifying to me. Being outside. You know, I work in an office all day, so any chance that I get to be in the sun is is always filling. It's always a win. I love watching the kids play, you know, look for bugs or when Ryan comes and meets me and we chat and just have a, a moment of quality time while I'm working. So those are all things that really kind of fill me up, even though I'm working, it's it's almost a form of rest and care. So I'm then able to pour out into my family, you know, something
0: good or my friends because I'm full. I think that's really beautiful because for so many women, I see in their season of life where they have really small kids or even newborns like you had, they think to themselves, this is not my season. And in a lot of ways, motherhood is a time, especially in the early years where it is a very selfless season. We have to put ourselves aside. And I really admire the way that not entirely in every aspect, of course, but in some small way, you put yourself first, knowing that, like you said, this fills your cup and you are able to use that to care for yourself so that you can be the very best version of yourself for your family. I think that's important. Another thing that I wanted to talk about was just the idea of seasons in the garden. What do seasons look like as you garden and how do you think that relates to our life? So, I mean, we can always feel the shift
1: from summer to fall. You know, you you feel the air cooler in the evenings and you instantly think about, you know, football or, you know, in Louisiana, everybody's whipping out a gumbo pot. You think about the holidays and You know, it's just kind of a a refreshing transition. And that's super important for the garden because like we mentioned earlier, that's the time that you take to amend soil, that you rest the soil. And we need that kind of amending as we go through our seasons in life. You know, we're not always going to look productive in what we're doing in our season. Sometimes it's a season of rest or, you know, a different kind of season, but there's purpose for each season. That's super valuable. You know, I think about that scripture in Ecclesiastes where it talks about there's a time for everything, you know, a season for everything under the sun. And that just reiterates that it's super valuable to rest and reset as it is to work and produce
0: abundance. I think that's really apparent in the seasons of life and in the seasons of the garden. And I think it's such a tangible reminder to see that barren garden, but to have hope that things are coming and they're going to be beautiful as things start to bloom and you know flourish. But not every single season is a season of blooming and flourishing. Right. And we, we think that oftentimes those seasons
1: are not as important when really there's like the foundations of where the abundance
0: comes from, you know? I love that. You have talked to me before about a particular seed that you plant that has a lengthy growing process. So that would be the Lysianthus and it's one of my favorite flowers, uh, but it's also one of the
1: most high maintenance because of all the care and attention it requires. So it takes 12 weeks just to grow it from seed and get it big enough to get into the ground. And then when you get it in the ground, it takes an additional like five or six months to just establish. So through this time, it's Maturing through the cold of winter, you know, the storms of spring, and then summer arrives and it's gone through all of this process of just maturing. And so the moment arrives where it's finally has its turn to be picked. It's one of the most beautiful flowers, and to me, one of the, the strongest stems because of all that it has to go through. I think it it makes you appreciate it a little bit more because of all that
0: it, it endured to get to that point. I think that it is a really important, relatable thing to talk about because I love that you said it, had, it has its chance to be picked. So many of us, I think, we feel like we invest in gifts that we have in our lives, or we feel like we have weathered storms, or we have been sitting waiting to bloom, and we just don't ever feel like it's our turn. When is it going to be my turn? When am I going to have my chance? It's coming. Like There is purpose for every Single one of our lives, and there is beauty in that waiting. There is beauty in that developing and strengthening of the roots and the stems that eventually turn to the bloom that it was purposed for. And I just think that's such a beautiful metaphor for so many people. It's so true. You know, it takes that that resistance sometimes to, to make us a little bit stronger. Absolutely. I love that you have quite literally created room for lovely both in your yard, even though it doesn't always look like literal sunshine and roses. Sometimes it's a little messy out in the garden, but you also have used this to kind of make some room for lovely in other people's lives too. And when you first got started, as you were kind of getting your feet wet and you were learning about the process and seeing what you could grow and cultivate, You were gifting a lot of these flowers. What did you see as a reaction or a benefit to gifting that?
1: So oftentimes you'll hear flowers referred to as a feast of the senses. And when I would give flowers, the first thing that most people do is just smell them. There's just something about smell that takes you back to a moment that's just meaningful to you. And that looks different for each person, but it's almost like you can see them reminiscing and and being taken back. And I I think the fact that I was gifting them just made them feel seen and reminded them that they're worth gifting something to and that they're cared for. And uh, that was kind of my goal when I was giving the flowers, you know, they needed a place to go, but I also really loved just making people feel seen and appreciated. You could take anything, not just flowers and and just whatever you have in the moment, just to show someone that, hey, I care, you know, that you're worth it. You're worth my attention. um, You're worth investing in.
0: I think that's so underrated. People are so affected by unexpected kindness, by generosity, by a moment of realizing that, hey, I was cared for, I was thought of. And so I, of course, am biased to flowers. I think that's a beautiful gesture, but you're so right. Like it doesn't have to be something like that. It can just be a small moment of whatever you have to give, even if that's a kind word or just taking the time to notice someone and and make them feel valued and appreciated. I think that's important. I have to say that when you started this process several years ago, it was a little bit unexpected. I think it was so different and out of the box, but also it was this huge step of bravery for you because while you didn't jump off and like purchase a hundred acres to start farming, you did jump in with both feet and you were even from the beginning, very serious about this is what I'm going to do. How has farming these flowers changed you? So I think that they have taught me to just take
1: risks. I'm always a very calculated person. Um I like to have my ducks in a row. I like to have things figured out. And it just wasn't working for me with flower farming and the idea of that. It has really pushed me to do things I just normally wouldn't do. I'm kind of introverted, you know. It has pushed me to Put myself out there, you know, to potentially be rejected or whatever, you know, just things that I normally wouldn't do. And I wanted to not only prove that to myself, but like
0: just to to grow. I, I needed to see myself grow. And this was the way to do it. What lessons do you hope or have you seen Eden and Maverick learn from being in the garden with you? Because I know I love to see their pictures. They're always in there helping out. What lessons have you guys gotten from that?
1: So I don't know if they've learned this lesson, but I hope that they they see through what I'm doing that anything good is worth investing in, investing your time, being consistent. You're not gonna see instant results. It's not gonna be an instant gratification thing. To get from point A to point B, there always needs to be consistency and just persevering through all of the all the things um, to get what you want. Um, that life is not just going to throw things at
0: you. You have to work for it and that it's worth it in the end. That is so beautiful. I think we could spend hours talking about all of the parallels of the garden and life. I, I think it's no accident that the creation of it all, the very first story that we hear is in the garden. I think God has so many good bits of wisdom for us to learn. Like I said, I'm a terrible gardener, but in the limited experience that I've had, I always find that he meets me there. He meets me in the garden. It's just a really beautiful place to be. Um, Well, we love that you are our very own little Joanna Gaines. We joke about that often. Um, And so I so appreciate you taking the time to just share with us. It has been beautiful to not only watch the physical product of what you're producing, but just watch the transition in your life seeing you just really, you blossom into someone who is so passionate about this and um, really find purpose in what you're doing. If you're new here, I am so glad you made it. Maybe you're here because someone shared the podcast, but I would love if you'd check out my website too. I've been writing there for nearly 10 years, and I would love it if you check it out and subscribe. Don't worry, I'm not going to spam you with all kinds of unwanted email. I know that's the worst, but I would love to share some important things with you from time to time. You can find me at Erin Cusio on Instagram or at ErinCusio.com. I have been absolutely blown away by how far reaching this has been in just the short time since we started, and I am infinitely grateful for each and every one of you before you go, I have one last question. I always end by asking, tell me something good. And so here at home, we generally will say that it can be something minor. It can be something really huge, but what is good? Tell me something good. So I would say
1: that today I'm celebrating my 100th post on Instagram uh, for Parish Flower Co. If you uh, haven't followed me already, Be sure to follow me on there. That's a big deal to me. And it's just showing, you know, I'm being consistent with something and that it's growing and that's just uh, worth celebrating.
0: After talking with Kathleen this week, I was inspired to get back into my own garden. I was reminded of the way that God often meets me there in time spent undistracted. And even if I'm not super successful, I really don't do it for the product quite so much as the posture. In the garden, I can drown out the noisy world around me. My heart finds space to dream, and I am reminded of who I was always meant to be. Maybe gardening isn't your thing, but this week I challenge you to find a place where you are reminded of what lights your soul on fire, where you can find the gentle whispers in your heart, where your perspective is shifted and the world around you is quieted. It's in these times and spaces where we often are brought back to a place where we feel most at home when we intentionally make some room for lovely.